This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast with Chef Mary Mamalidi. The other thing I think that flash food does really well is produce. Whatever they can fit in the box, you can pick up the box for five bucks. Okay, so here's the question. In these produce boxes, do you know what you're getting or is it um, produce boxes sealed and you don't know what's in it until you buy it, bring it home? It, it is a little bit of a mystery thing, which is something that I actually quite like. I think it lets you get a little bit creative. I think this is a great partnership in reducing food waste by helping people make use of stuff that is near its best before date. It's helping people cut down on their grocery bill. And it's it's also helping the store because a couple of bucks for produce that's about to go is better than no bucks for produce that is now bad. I'm Mary Mamaliti, and with me is our co-producer and editor, Matt Agnew. We're here for a catch-up episode where we share what's inspiring us in the kitchen and what we've learned from our many guests on Kitchen Confession. Matt, what are you doing? How's it going? Good day, Mary. Uh, What am I doing? I'm recording a podcast episode with you. Very glad to be here. (laughs) I set myself up for that one. So I hear you've been discovering some really cool and great stuff at the library recently. Tell us about it. Yeah, so over the course of her mat leave, my wife, Steph, has been taking our daughter to the library very often. Uh, They're both known by name there. And uh, I went to pick up some books one day for Steph because uh, she, she got busy with something else and wanted her, her weekly stack. And so I went to pick it up and uh, said, you know, I was picking up books for Steph. And they said, oh, Steph, Steph has the best taste in books. And apparently the librarians have a... Uh, have a Steph list. Anything that she checks out goes on their personal <laughs> list very quickly. So she's been finding some incredible stuff recently. One of which was uh, a book called Food IQ. It's by uh, two guys named Daniel Holzman and Matt Robard. And honestly, Mary, for me, it is the coolest and most helpful book since um, I talk a lot about Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat by Simeon mm-hmm. Nostrat. Mm-hmm. Um, one as you know, one of my favorite kind of food reference books of all time. Also an incredible documentary. If you haven't, I'll plug it one more time. Uh, it's on Netflix, Salt, Fat, Acid. Yeah, it really change. is. It really but is. Food IQ is like the follow up for me. Um, it's just it's a book that is filled with a lot of really cool, whether it's questions or techniques, um, and they just go through and they explain things in really great detail, things that you that you might not I don't know, think of. So so it's all organized by question. Some of the questions in there that I found really interesting were things like, is MSG actually bad? Uh, what is a mandolin? And is it worth a trip to the ER? <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> uh, should I buy a Dutch oven, Donaby, Tagine, or a clay cooker? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the kind of book that you pick up, you know, instead of browsing Reddit, I don't know, while you're waiting for uh, something to cook. And I just, you know, was was flipping through and I got stuck in the technique section. The the one that stuck out to me was about how to use stainless steel pans. And this one was really interesting because recently I have been considering tossing my stainless steel pans. My favorite is the um, cast iron. Mm-hmm. I use it all the time and I've gotten really good with it to the point where I don't think I use my grill all summer because I just prefer the cast iron at this point. Really? But what about the smoke point? Like you're always, does your house get all smoky? Once I learned that I needed a high smoke point oil, no. 
Um, And actually, another question in the book was uh, was about oils and their smoke points. And um, it it sort of went in a little bit to the history of uh, canola oil and why it's kind of got a a bad rep, even though it's a, you know, cheap, high smoke point oil. Anyway, so I I like my cast iron. My kitchen does not smoke up too badly. Sometimes I got to crack a window. Yeah, Uh, but that's. More often me than the pan. <laughs> but something really cool that the book taught me was uh, something called the Leidenfrost effect. If you remember back to some some high school science classes, you'll probably feel like you've heard this somewhere before. I guess what happens is when you heat the stainless steel up to the proper point before adding anything, whether that's your oil or your butter or your, your food, um, it actually creates a little bit of a gas pocket between the stainless steel and the item that you're cooking. And so I was never able to get the kind of scrambled eggs that I wanted to make um, without using like a new Teflon coated pan. But after learning about the Leidenfrost effect and how to heat the pan up correctly and use your stainless steel pans the right way, it was an instant difference. And so the tip that they used was, so you got to heat it up really high and then take a couple of droplets of water and flick it on the pan. And if they evaporate immediately, you're it's not hot enough yet. You got to wait until they beat up and they roll around um, before they evaporate. And then you know that your pan's hot enough to throw your eggs in. But they recommend take your pan immediately off the heat when you add the eggs and you kind of control your heat by, you know, bringing the pan on and off. So um, it was a really cool book, a lot of really interesting questions in there. It taught me a lot just and all the chapters. They're not really chapters. They're just like one to two pages. A lot of really cool questions that the home chef has probably asked at some point. Um, and yeah, give you give you a, a chance to learn something new and maybe not toss the pans just because you're using them wrong. <laughs> well, I love it because you actually sparked my curiosity with this one. And I went out and I bought the book myself. And I totally agree. It's definitely a book to pick up, browse through, try some stuff, because there's so much information in it. Yeah, absolutely. A real variety. And everything in there is no more than like a five-minute read. So it's great to just pick up and browse through while you're waiting for something to cook. Anyway, so that that was something really cool that we found at the library over the summer. Well, it's funny you mentioned about the water beating thing, because that's what I always recommend for Anyone that's low vision, blind, when you're cooking in the kitchen and you don't really know how hot your pan is, is to get some water on your hands and just sprinkle it onto the pan. If you hear that sizzle, you know you're it's hot. Because there's a lot of times where I could never really determine whether my, pot, my pan was warm enough. And I always use my hearing <laughs> to, to listen out for things. And that was one of the, the tips that I always use. I agree. I think I use hearing more than anything for determining heat because like think of when you you add a steak to the pan or something like that. You you know immediately when you lay it down if it doesn't if, if it doesn't I was going to say if it doesn't say anything. But <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying. It's got to have that that sharp sizzle. Yeah, if it doesn't say anything, you're like, "Okay, well it's it's not nearly hot enough. You're you're not going to get that nice crisp crust on on the steak that you're looking for the browning yeah but there's a certain i don't know frequency of sound that when you when you lay it down if it hisses too angrily you you know you're gonna burn it before you cook the steak evenly through so yeah i i definitely agree that like hearing plays way more into uh i I think analyzing heat than than even waving your hand over the pan right you can get a good idea but but yeah it really comes down to that sound element i think it's definitely that sound element yes yes i love that and Also, I want to tap into, because we've been talking a lot recently about grocery prices. Mm -hmm. What have you found helpful in managing your bill? Okay, I have found two 
new to me apps. I'll say new to me. Uh, two awesome apps <laughs> that have been working a lot for me uh, in tandem is is the Flip app. It's love uh, it. You know, a coupon app. Uh, it's been around for a while, as well as a new one called Flash Food. And Flash Food, I think, is the perfect win-win-win scenario between consumers and uh, grocery stores. And it's basically your discount, you know, aisle rack in the form of an app. So the store will, will take things that are, you know, maybe close to or on their best before date, and they'll put it in a fridge up at customer service. And you can only buy what's in the fridge through the Flash Food app. And it's heavily discounted, of course, because it's, you know, on the best before day. And we know as, as Canadians, we kind of struggle with that best before day. And we often throw it a lot more than we need to because uh, things don't automatically go bad on the date printed on the label, of course. Uh, but I, I think we're a little guilty sometimes of just being lazy and saying, oh, well, you know, better not risk it to just toss that milk or whatever. It that's is. me. I'm I, I'm going to agree to that. That's me. That's who that's who I am. <laughs> I'm that person. I'm sorry, but that was me. Yeah. But I'm, I've learned. But, but you know what, now. too, like the other thing is that people, you know, in the blind and low vision community, uh, of course, want to err on the on the side of safety. Um, you know, if you're mis- missing the visual indicator, uh, if, if things are about to go bad as well. So I, I totally get that. But the Flash Food app for me has been great, especially for buying meat, because it's something that's gotten pretty expensive recently. And uh, my wife and I have gone almost full vegetarian just because of the cost of of grocery bills. But um, I've been able to pick up like salmon and tuna steaks for a couple of bucks and, you know, beef that's never less than 50% off uh, through flash food. So and yeah, you just go, you pick it up the same day and just chuck it right in the freezer. That's the key. I love that you said that. That's the key, because if you're not going to use it right away, it's still good. Just pop it into the freezer and flash freeze it right, right quickly. And then you can use it whenever you're ready. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really cut down the bill while still allowing us to eat the kind of things that we like to eat. Um, And the other thing I think that flash food does really well is uh, produce. And you got to play around with it a little bit. Some stores do it better than others, uh, I will admit. (laughs) Yeah. But they'll, they'll put together these boxes and whatever they can fit in the box, you can pick up the box for five bucks. And again, don't expect the the top tier uh, AAA sort of veggies that that uh, you're looking for to put together a real star dish. But let me tell you about something I made last week using a, a flash food produce box. So the produce box was five bucks. It came absolutely stuffed with eggplants, zucchinis, and uh, green peppers. And then I picked up a two for one deal on on tomato sauce for about four fifty. Okay. I brought it all home, chopped everything up immediately, olive oil, salt, pepper, um, dumped it all in the instant pot with the, with the tomato sauce, put it on for three minutes for a, a quick and easy ratatouille. Mm-hmm. I served that over an herbed lemon garlic couscous, and it was quick. Like dinner took me, Mary, five minutes. It was quick, easy, flavorful, yep. uh, cheap. The extras <clears throat> froze really well, and it made more than a dozen servings. So the plate I put on the table that night probably cost... Less than a buck. <laughs> okay, so here's the question. In these produce boxes, do you know what you're getting or is it um, produce boxes sealed and you don't know what's in it until you buy it, bring it home? It It is a little bit of a mystery thing, which is something that I actually quite like. It, it becomes a little difficult if you're planning your whole, your whole week's meal around it. But I think it lets you get a little bit creative. You know, like, like Instant Pot Ratatouille is not something that I would have thought of the top of my head to make that week. But yeah, it lets you get creative and try out some new things, try out some dishes maybe that are not part of your current repertoire, just so that you can use everything as, as part of that box. But as well with the produce box, if you're getting stuff that you 
might not use that week, again, just process it right away. I have uh, a couple of bags of green and red and yellow peppers that, um, that normally would go for three to four bucks for just four of them in a bag. They are not cheap peppers. I got a bin of them. Yeah, of bell peppers. They're not cheap right now. But I got a whole bin of them and just chop them up right away, uh, slice them, put them in the freezer for a stir fry later on, uh, that kind of thing. So, so yeah, it's it's been working really well for us. And, and I'm excited about it, not just because it's making the grocery bill a little bit easier to manage. But like I mentioned, it's a win-win-win because uh, it's good for, for food waste. Again, Canadians are, are really bad uh, for food waste. And I, I'll admit, there's there's only so much that you can expect people to do. Um, from the consumer level. But I think this is a great partnership, reducing food waste um, by helping people uh, make use of stuff that is near its best before date. Um, it's helping people cut down on their grocery bill. Um, and it's it's also helping the store because uh, a couple of bucks for produce that's about to go is better than no bucks for produce that is now bad, that's sitting in the back room, you know? Right. And this reminds me of when they st- first introduced the imperfect produce. Do you remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Way back, there was Under this... Under the no-name brand for Loblaws, right, yeah. I mean, it's everywhere now. Yeah, yeah, where they would do this imperfect produce where it, it would be produce that wasn't so pretty. Um, you know, it's not that... It's still edible, but it just maybe was a little smaller than some of the other apples or something to that effect. And it took a little time, but people got used to it. And now people look for it. Um, and it's the same thing with this, where you're saying like the the flash food. I love this whole idea of it because the food is still good. It's edible. It's tasty. It's delicious. It's just not as perfect. Exactly. And for some stuff, you just don't need it to be, right? Like ratatouille, slow cook stuff. Or the other one uh, that's been a big hit in my house recently is, um, is applesauce. You know, just spend 10 minutes to uh, to peel a couple of bins of, of apples again into the Instant Pot, a couple of minutes. And um, I don't know what it is, Mary, but there's something about homemade applesauce that I love. I've never gone through so many apples in a week before. <laughs> but when you can get like two bins for 10 bucks and and uh, better better deal than anything that's on the shelf through Flash Food. And yeah, you just, you just peel them up, throw them in the Instant Pot. And uh, yeah, fantastic winter staple for us. Is this Flash Food app? Are these prices or products available every grocery store? Are they specifically designed for specific grocery stores? And it'll tell you on the app. I believe right now there's a bit of a licensing deal on with the Loblaws chain. So you can find at No Frills, you can find at Superstore. And Loblaws. Yes, Loblaws, exactly. So so yeah, you purchase through the app. It'll be available for you to pick up uh, at customer service. Um, It helps you skip the line too, which is great. Oh, nice. (laughs) I like that a lot. Yeah, I like that. Okay, but... I need to know before we wrap on what's been happening here, because you had a lot going on and I love everything that you've shared today, but I do want to ask you, what's your kitchen confession? Do you have one for this holiday season? I do have a holiday turkey kitchen confession. Oh, please share. Right after Thanksgiving, I thought I was being so clever and on the ball for grabbing up a uh, an on-sale turkey. And uh, I had plans to cook it up and use it in a bunch of recipes, you know, some turkey stew and some turkey sandwiches and all that kind of stuff. Uh, got home, put it in a bowl uh, to start thawing and, um, you know, promptly forgot about it. So <laughs> I woke up the next day and all I hear is, 
No! <laughs> Steph, downstairs, she's up earlier than I am usually, uh, discovers that the turkey has been left out overnight. And of course, you do the you do the thing every time, even though you know instantly it's bad, it's done, throw it in the garbage. I'm like Googling like food safety and okay, if it was this frozen and this weight, is there any way it could still be? No. Botulism, throw in the garbage. <laughs> Did you do the sniff test? I usually do that one too, and it's like I know it's bad. Like I know it is. No, but it's I like, didn't do the sniff test because oh, even if it's not off already, it has started growing things that could seriously correct. Correct, kill but for you. some so. reason in my mind, I think do the sniff test. Do the sniff test. I even, you know what else I did? I, I am a little ashamed of, of this, but I googled to see if it would whether or not it would still be okay for the dog. <laughs> Like maybe if at least I can give the dog some turkey. No, don't don't poison your dog. Just throw it out. So I very sadly took it out to the garage and sadly dumped it in the bin. I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today I'm chatting with our editor and co-producer Matt Agnew. Well, uh, Mary, you've just wrapped up uh, shooting season three of Dish with Mary. Your uh, docu-series on AMI-tv, and I was just hoping you could tell us a little bit about what we can expect to see coming up this season. We have wrapped season three. Um, that's what I've been busy with. So I, w- I was busy traveling with this season. I mean, I love every single season of Dish with Mary, but we had to do, we had to pivot. As you know, we started off with traveling. It, the show was called Something Else, um, and we were traveling and visiting these chefs in different places within Canada, and then we were shut down during the pandemic. You know how much I hate this word, Matt, but I'm using it. Pivot. Um, <laughs> we had to pivot, but and um, AMI came up with this idea where we could do things virtually. And what I would do is I would cook in the kitchen virtually with the chef guests. And that was a lot of fun. But I had really missed that interaction, that that personal, that face-to-face, um, and sharing a kitchen with someone. And then the pandemic, we're still technically in the pandemic, but things have eased up. Travel has now opened up again. And I had the opportunity to visit all these wonderful chefs in their hometowns, um, meet them, go to their, their restaurants, and then bring them into the kitchen with me and we would cook together. And then with this season, I was able to to incorporate a lot and share some of my modifications that I make in the kitchen to help because as everyone knows, I am low vision, um, legally blind. And so I've got central vision, but it's obstructed. So it's not very clear. And the kitchen can be a scary place. It can be daunting. And by making these modifications, it helps me feel safe, feel comfortable. It makes me enjoy, it helps me enjoy my experiences in the kitchen again. And I share some of those. I think it was really cool to see some of the chefs that were excited about learning some of these adaptive cooking skills. There was one. So do you remember the slap chop? I do. I remember this, not only the slap chop, but the slap chop infomercial with some guy named Vince. Yes. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't remember who actually did the commercial, but I remember the commercial itself. Call now, because we can't do this all day. Right. And all you're hearing is like this smashing going on in the background. That's right. <laughs> right? So um, what's cool about this, so that that's actually a brand name of it. But it's a device. It's a small, it's like probably the size of a small food processor, like a really small food processor. But it's manual. 
So you put the protist underneath. Let's say you put half an onion underneath. It's got blades inside. You put it over top, and there's like this casing that covers it. And then at the top is a button where you smash it down. And these blades go down, and they literally just chop up that vegetable that's underneath. Um, and I think what was funny is one of the chefs got really excited. It's like, I've waited all my life to try one of these, <laughs> right? <laughs> he was so excited about it. And, he did, you know, they're all like, I think I'm going to start using this. And it was a lot of fun because it showed that it doesn't matter what level of cooking that you're at, as long as you get there in the end. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to the premiere of, of the season. Uh, is there a behind the scenes moment you want to share? Oh my gosh, behind the scenes moment. Um, there were so many. I mean, you, I mean, Matt, you know me. I'm I'm the <laughs> blooper reel queen. Um, I just like to have fun, and I really don't say no to many things. So when I was asked if I wanted to toss up pizza dough <laughs> and and catch it, yes, I was like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'll do it. Okay, so the pizza dough leaves my hands. I'm looking up like I can really see where it's going. It's coming down. I have no idea it's coming at me. But I figure if I stick out my hands, somehow I'm going to catch it. I didn't. It ended up on the floor. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, better than on the boom, you know? <laughs> yeah, so it was Tommy. Tommy from Tommy's Pizzeria in, um, in Winnipeg. And we were just howling. But he's so good. Um, he's so much fun. And he just, he hands me another pizza dough and he's like, okay, try it again. <laughs> Which I did a few times and it ended up turning into like a bracelet on my arm because I poked a hole right through it. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't see it coming down, but you figure what goes up must come down, right? So it's got to come down somewhere. I'll yeah, stick that's, on my, that's the rule of thumb. Right? Yeah. I'll stick on my arms. It'll get there. Somehow I'll catch a piece of it. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Well, since you've wrapped up, have you uh, been working on anything new in the kitchen lately? I have. I've been able to get back into the kitchen, but I am working on a really exciting project, which I can't share too much about it now, but I will hopefully by the next time we do our catch up. Um, so I've been doing a lot of recipe testing for it. And I've been into a lot of quick and easy recipes. So something that doesn't take long to make, minimal ingredients, but packs a punch in flavor. And they're easy weeknight meals. I put together a couple of recipes that I absolutely love. And I know that you guys will love it as well. One is creamy chicken stew, which I absolutely adore. And it uses chicken thighs. Because again, we're talking about price, right, Matt? We want to make sure that we're still, we're not blowing our grocery budget. That's right. And can I say, I just vastly prefer chicken thighs over chicken breasts. I don't know if so it's just, just me, but I just think there's so much more flavor in there. There really is. I mean, chicken breast is nice if you're doing like a chicken cutlet. Um, a chicken schnitzel type thing. But I do love when you're making these stews and that to use a thigh because it's got a little more flavor and it's, it's tender and it just it adds, like you said, so much flavor to it. I also started working on a recipe for Calabrian chili paste. Ooh. So something, yeah, something that I found when I was doing the show, um, we went to Aroma Bistro, which is like an Asian fusion. It inspired me. They make their own in-house hot chili sauce or hot chili oil rather. And I thought, I haven't had Calabrian chili paste in years. And it was something that I thought about often and it just inspired me. And I started really looking into different types of recipes to create this Calabrian chili paste. I cannot wait to share this one with you guys. It is so good, Matt. And you can put it on absolutely anything. I particularly love it when you put a little bit on, let's say you make a fried egg, you put a little dab on top of it. If you want your avocado, put it on a bed of avocado, on some toast, 
It is so good. It just, it provides that little extra heat, right? That, that you kind of, you wanted the heat to hit the back of your mouth. So not right up at the front where it kind of numbs it when everything you taste tastes the same. It's that heat that's just right at the back. It's one of those things that people sleep on a lot. Um, adding a little bit of heat to the base of a dish really adds a depth of flavor that, I don't know, you, you often just find uh, missing a lot of places, you know, um, just adds a little bit of excitement. And I think it really is the key to those quick and easy, you know, weeknight meals to have some kind of like really interesting, uh, you know, whether it's a base uh, or or a, a topper or something like that to just kind of bring things up a little bit so that you don't get bored with the weeknight meals because like you got to eat and you don't have that much time, but like you still want to enjoy, right? Exactly. So it adds, like you said, another layer of another element of flavor. A little excitement to the dish. It's And it's not overwhelming because you control the amount of heat that you want to add to any meal. You can put two little pepper flakes. You can put a scoop of it. It's completely up to you. And I love that you can taper that to your taste buds. So that's this Calabrian chili paste I absolutely love. Uh, okay, so next, I started recipe testing uh, braised beef ragu. Okay. This one, yeah, this one here, I know I'd catch your attention on this one. So the braised beef ragu, you simmer it for a minimum of two hours. I went even longer. I mean, the longer, the better, because you're getting all those flavors marinating. You just want it simmering, a mm -hmm. low simmer. And what you do is once you've reached that point where it's like, okay, I love the flavoring of it, all the taste, you take out that beef chuck, put it in a plate, use two forks. It literally pulls apart with two forks. Shred it up, put that shredded beef right back into that sauce. And it is next level deliciousness because then you add that Parmesan rind. Have we talked about this before? Uh, I don't think we've talked about it on the show, but it is a tip that I've picked up from you that I absolutely love. I've been doing this for years and years and years. I save, so I'll buy like a, a, a wedge of Parmesan Reggiano and I'll save the rind of it. And I'll put them in freezer bags and I'll pop it into the freezer. And whenever I'm making um, a tomato sauce, a soup, a stew, something where I want to add another layer of flavor, you grab that rind and you pop it into your pot and you let it simmer with everything else. And it gives just a little hint of that saltiness, that depth of that cheese. That's so good. It really does take uh, soups, stews and and tomato sauces to the next level. Absolutely. Is it something that you would add to like a stock pot? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. I've actually made chicken stock, uh, vegetable stock. Now, I know you're making vegetable stock. Why are you adding in a rind? But if I know I'm going to use that vegetable stock in, let's say, a soup, and it's probably my last piece of Parmigiano Reggiano rind. So rather than cutting into pieces, then adding it as I'm making the soup, I'll put it in the actual stock. Right. Yeah. Build it so in right exactly. ahead of time. Exactly. It's a great little trick to add it. Again, it's it's helps with food waste, but you know, you're not you're not exactly. losing anything. Yeah. So that's what I've been working on. I've been excited because I was able I'm able to get back into the kitchen now, into my kitchen, um, and get creating again. So I can't wait to share a lot of these with everyone. Uh before we go, don't think you're getting out of here without a kitchen confession. I have a lot of kitchen confessions at times. And then there are times where I can't think of one. This one happened recently, which was I was making a video 
for social media and it was a coffee reel or coffee video where I would just kind of take snapshots of grinding coffee, making coffee. And there was a part where I was pouring, let's say the almond creamer or the creamer into the coffee. And it's in this little container. So the milk container, like those fancy little ceramic milk containers, because that's how I do it every day, apparently. So I I don't just take it from the carton and pour it in. I'm lying. I don't do that. I take it from the (laughs) carton. I pour it in. It's got to look pretty. You got to do the mise en place and you got to like... Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because that's how we all drink our coffee with (laughs) Christmas lights around our coffee machine. We're all fancy. Yeah, that's how we do it. But anyways, I'm doing this video and I grab the gold spoon and I go to stir my coffee and I'm looking at the screen. So I have the lights dim right away. You know already nothing good comes out of that when the lights are dim for me. And I grab the spoon. I reached for it three times because I couldn't find it. So I start stirring, but I'm looking at my screen, the video, and I'm saying, I am stirring. Why can't I see this spoon? So I start panicking. Oh my God, I can't see the spoon. What's happening? Where am I stirring? So I'm literally freaking myself out. You'd think that I would just stop and look as to where I'm stirring. No, this must have gone on for a minute. It felt like an eternity (laughs) that I'm freaking out and saying, what am I stirring? Where am I stirring? I know I'm stirring, but what am I stirring? I look, I was stirring the container of milk. (laughs) (laughs) And there's your blind girl moment. Um, It was hilarious. Oh, too good. So that's my kitchen confession. Thank you all for listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast, listening to Matt and I catch up on what we've been up to, and I hope that you take away a tip or get inspired to make something from this episode. It's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchen confession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mamalini. Thanks for listening. 